You're listening to a sermon by Hope Bible Church Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at hopeniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Hope Niagara. Welcome to our sixth and uh, final message in our series on uh, the 5G life. We've got it here on the screen here. I am a Christ follower. This is what we've been talking about, but we are people who love and follow Jesus. And uh, so I am a Christ follower, living life for what uh, matters most. And this is the series here on the 5G life. We said it's not just a series, it's also a season in our church as we talk about what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to us here at Hope Bible Church Niagara about following Jesus. Now, I'm just going to get this overview up on the screen. We've been doing this every week, just reminding you the big picture of what it is we're saying. Uh, The target, the aim, the objective, our identity, our passion is this, that we are Christ followers. And flowing out of that is this theology, this belief that the Bible shows us, God shows us in his word, that as followers of Christ, we are to abide in him. We are to connect with his people, with one another, and we're also to share him. And the practical application of that is this 5G life, these these five times, important investments of time that we are agreeing together that are important for us to do as we seek to follow Jesus. And we've talked about God time, uh, we've talked about group gather time and group time, and here in their their sharing and applying this this importance of sharing, we've talk about give time and today go time. Now for sports fans in the room, sharing is all about the give and go. Okay, you know the give and go, basketball, hockey, that'll help you remember for sharing, it's give and go. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't have time to explain it to you, okay? But this is uh, the 5G life, God time, I'm abiding in him, I must cultivate that personal relationship with him, so I'm spending time with him daily. Connect, I have these gather times like we're doing now, and group time as I'm committing to meeting with other believers for accountability and growth and encouragement, and to connect with other believers. And then to share what the Lord Jesus has given me, I'm called to share with others, to give of self. We talked about give time. And today, we focus on go time. Now, I brought with me today a little show and tell. You ready? I got with me a donut. A donut. It's a chocolate glazed donut. The glaze has gotten a little little runny on me here. But uh, nonetheless, I brought this donut along to to show you. And um, the reason I brought this is because the donut reminds me of a go time experience that I had that I think helps to illustrate why I think this message today is so important for us to hear. Uh, Back many, many years ago, I was uh, in the church we were in at the time, I was volunteering as a youth leader. And uh, when at a certain point in the year, we had organized a big outreach event, big gospel outreach event for youth. And uh, we had it at the church and a whole bunch of young people came and we had a great time of worship. A friend of mine who's a legit evangelist, we had him come and he shared a powerful gospel message. It, it was a great time. And um, uh, as, as much as we had a great time, there was one person in particular whom God was really speaking to that, that night, a young, a teenage girl she heard the good news about Jesus, and afterwards, you know, we're in the fellowship hall, uh, all having snacks and stuff like that. She sought out the speaker and said to him, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I need this Jesus. I, I need to do this tonight. Now, it was just at that exact time, I was walking past them eating a donut. And this friend of mine, the evangelist, he grabs me, he says, Ross, and he introduced me to her, and he said, this young person wants to accept Jesus in her life, she wants to live her life for him and follow him, will you help her do that? I nearly choked on my donut. Because in this moment here of, of well, it was a great time, and this message, it was a good day, it, was, it went really well, and now I'm having a donut. In the moment, it was like I just, my head wasn't in the game in terms of, oh yeah, like, like somebody might actually respond to receive Jesus. And, then, and, and see, have you ever had that experience where all of a sudden you go from like, I don't know, like eating a donut 
to something really significant. Like, boom, all of a sudden, right here. And that feeling of, uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah, oh, sure, sure, yeah. And so I always sat down together, and, and I mumbled and stumbled some stuff out about Jesus and the cross and believe on him. And you know what? Praise God. It didn't even matter. It didn't matter. She was so ready that when I got done yakking away, she just bowed her head and prayed and asked Jesus as Savior. And I can tell you, it's wonderful. It's her track with her in her life. She still loves and follows Jesus now, 20, 25 years later. Loves the Lord, living for him. What an awesome, what an awesome thing to be part of something like that, to be present when someone gives their life to Jesus. Amen? But that's not why I brought the donut. The reason I brought the donut is because now it's broken half. Uh, the reason I brought the donut is because, sorry, my hands are sticky now. It reminds me of while God was doing saving business in that young girl, he was doing some convicting business in me. Because here I was, helped to organize a gospel outreach event and did not anticipate that someone would actually get saved. I'm just going through. It went well, having a donut, and all of a sudden, God's at work, and my head is in the bakery. And I, I remember sitting there, as she's praying. I mean, I'm rejoicing at the same time, so convicted, thinking, where is my head at? Where is my heart? What am I doing? Not expecting God to move. Not looking for the lost. I'll talk about it, but where's my head? Where's my heart? Now, as I look at my experience and my donut-eating encounter, I would suggest that I'm not the only one that's ever found themselves infected with such an affliction. I would say that it's common, maybe too common, that the people of God are not expecting that God might be working and don't have their eye on what God might be doing or who might be searching or where the Spirit may be convicting and leading to faith in Jesus. Not looking for opportunities, not, not thinking about the lost, not focused on the task at hand because our minds, our task at hand because our minds are not on the mission. We're eating donuts. And that's me. That was me. And the result of it is that sadly, too often, we miss out on one of the great joys of the Christian life. And that is seeing God move in people's lives to save them and to, do, and to change them into the image of Jesus. And not only seeing that, but sometimes even getting to be part of it. We, we miss out. And, and the more we miss out, the more we live there in donut-eating world, our hearts get hardened, not because of cholesterol, but I mean our spiritual hearts get hardened. Because we, we just become hardened to the spiritual destitution of the world around us. And, and what's more is that our lives are not in rhythm with the heartbeat of God. Please understand, there's nothing wrong with eating donuts. The issue is, it's illustrative of something God showed me that far too often, my head, my heart, my time is not where God wants it to be not where he's calling it to be. And that's why I think this, this series and this sermon is so important. It's why this emphasis needs to be emphasized for us in our church if we're to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need this emphasis on go time. We need all these G's, including the fifth one, go time. Go time is time spent seeing the gospel spread locally and globally. And, and there's all kinds of texts I could go to, all kinds of scripture passages. But I thought, we, we really should just go to the go-to text on this. And it's in Matthew 28. Will you turn your Bible there with me, please, to Matthew 28? And uh, we'll look at verses 16 to 20. Context here is, I think, pretty significant. The context is you follow through Matthew's gospel, you know that he would just has written about the crucifixion, the, the death the burial of Jesus. He was crucified, dead, and buried, and then on the third day, he arose from the dead. 
and conquered the grave, and then he appeared to his disciples. And what Matthew records for us here in our scripture text today is this, it's this final face-to-face meeting that Jesus had with his disciples. And here's what Matthew says happened and what Jesus said. Matthew 28, I'll begin reading at verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Just pause there. Isn't that kind of refreshing in a moment? Well, of course some doubted. Like they're struggling to put this together. He arose from the dead. He was dead. And now he's alive and he's, he's, he's appeared to us now multiple times. And they're still just trying. They're just their heads. You see mind their heads are just swimming here. So they worshiped him. They rejoiced, but then some are still struggling to put it together, to put it together. I I find that encouraging. It's so real. But Jesus is not deterred by doubt. Look what he says in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is go time? Well, go time is time spent seeing the gospel spread locally and globally. Or perhaps, to put it more specifically, Go time is about making disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. That's what it's about. When we're talking about go time, we're talking about making disciples of Jesus Christ. And a disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who makes disciples of Jesus Christ. So we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You get the idea. That's what go time is. And this is what we're called to. It's our, it's our mandate. It's our purpose. It's our goal. It's our passion. It's our priority is to be a people who invest in go time, making disciples of Jesus Christ. A disciple is a really important word for us as Christians because we see in the New Testament, it aptly describes what it is to be in a relationship with Jesus because it it helps us to understand the nature of our relationship. As a, a disciple is someone who follows somebody, somebody who is committed, in this case, committed to Jesus as Lord and Master. And in the ancient context, this word of disciple is so, so well understood. It was recognized as kind of like, a, like a, a pupil, one who learns from someone else, it's someone who not only learns from someone, but accepts that person as their authority in life, accepts what they say is true, submits to what they call for, and not only that, but also seeks to emulate, like to follow their example. Like, so the way that you go is the way that I'm going to go. To follow Jesus, it's, it's not like following someone on social media. You follow someone on social media, you know, they put things on there, and, and your role in that relationship is you're the audience. You consume, you see, you listen, you watch, you maybe respond, but you're, you're mainly, you're a consumer. That's not what it is to follow Jesus. We're not the audience. We, the, to follow Jesus is more like follow the leader. There's someone in front of me, and I'm going to do what they do, and I'm coming under, they're setting the directions for my actions, for my words, for what I'm going to do, how I'm going to go. As a follower of Jesus, we say, you know what? I'm living for you. I'll do what you say, and I'll do it your way. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to trust him in the sense of not only believing on him, that he's, he is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did, but I am for him in every aspect of my life. And indeed, it is every aspect of my life. As I submit to Jesus, I take direction from him uh, with regards to everything. My outlook, my attitude, my affections, my family, my money, my sex, whatever it is, it's all under his lordship and authority. I'm living for you. I'll do what you say, and I'll do it. So help me, God, I'll do it your way. Go time is all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, three things about this. One, it's not optional. It's not optional. Making disciples of Jesus Christ is something we do in obedience to Jesus. Notice that word authority there in verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Like, how much authority is that? 
That's, that's pretty much, that's all the authority there is. He's like, he's got all authority. There's lots of people with authority, but Jesus has got all authority. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. See that word in verse 19, therefore? That is a really important word here because it's connecting the authority of Jesus with the instructions that are given. So how important is it, how necessary is it for me to listen and respond in obedience? Well, it depends on how much authority the speaker has here. I look in the text and I see, oh, he has all authority. So I can see that making disciples is not optional. It's not optional. I can't opt out of this and call myself a Christ follower. No, rather, we're we're called to this, to be this, personally and collectively as a church. And really, it's empowering, too. Because this is what gives us the right to call people to turn away from their religion, their worldview, what they deem as precious. I mean, who are we to call people to turn away from something that they value and treasure? Well, we're nobody, but Jesus is somebody with all authority. So this gives us our mandate to, yes, even call people to repent to call out sin and to call people to turn from your sin and flee from darkness and abandon self-righteousness and trust in Jesus. This is what gives us the right to call people to turn and to trust Jesus. It's, it's our directive. It's our directive. It gives us a mandate for taking the gospel even to places where it's illegal to convert to Christ because he has all authority. We're called to make disciples of Jesus. It's, it's not optional. Second, it concerns all people. All peoples, I should say. Peoples, that's not a typo. I meant for that S to be on the end there. It concerns all peoples, all people groups. Jesus uses this word that's just translated in, in most of our Bibles as nation. See that in verse 19? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now as I understand it, that word there translated nations doesn't mean countries but rather refers to people groups. Like, to illustrate, Canada is a country, right? But we, are, we consist of many, many different people groups. In fact, even there's a sense in which there's some of that here in this room. We have different ethno-linguistic identities and backgrounds. That's the notion here. All the people groups, all the peoples, the nations, the people groups, tribes and tongues, all the peoples. Jesus is talking about uh, the, the nations in terms of the people groups of the world. See, God has a global plan. He has a global plan. And when we look to the finish line, when we look to heaven, we see that that global plan will be realized. In fact, we get a glimpse in Revelation 5, verse 9. Check out this, this verse that gives us a glimpse into the worship that we will see and experience in heaven. The people worshiping around the Lord Jesus, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Notice, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Heaven will be populated by redeemed people from every tribe and language and people and nation. See, all the peoples, all the people groups of the earth. How about this verse? We'll go to this next one. Acts 1 and verse 8, Jesus, again, just before ascending into heaven, says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and notice, to the end of the earth. Now, speaking at that time, he's, he, to his disciples, he's like, you're going to be witnesses. You've seen some things. You've seen the resurrected Jesus. And we would read that verse, and it's like, well, I haven't seen him physically with my eyes, but you've seen him with the eyes of your heart. You have witnessed something about Jesus, and you've come to know and believe that not only did he die for me, he rose from the dead, and you have come to know that if you will repent of sin and trust in him, you can have your sins forgiven and a home in heaven. And you've come to know that. You're witnesses of that. Well, that's what we're called to do, to be witnesses. Here's, I don't know everything, but here's something I know. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus says that's our calling, right? It's parallel to our text this morning. You will be my witnesses. And notice where? In Jerusalem. So in the context, start right where you are. But then it goes out from there. All Judea and Samaria goes wider and wider and all the way to the end of the earth. How about Matthew 24 and 14? This, this verse, this just rocked my socks this week. Just thinking about this verse. Maybe it'll do the same for you. Holy Spirit, help us. And this gospel, so this good news about Jesus, this gospel of the kingdom 
will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. Now just stop there for a second. Aren't you blessed by that assurance? The, min- the mission will be completed. God will see it through. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. So all the peoples make disciples of all nations. It's going to happen. That encourages me. This is like, this is like we're, we are very much with Jesus. We're very much on the winning team. He will succeed. He says, I will build my church. Not I might build my church. I want to think I'll build my church. He said, I will do it. And here he says, it's going to happen. Now, my heart this morning is I want to be part of that. Like, when I get to heaven, I don't want to just listen to stories. I want to have some stories to tell, too. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, we're from Hope, Niagara. And let me tell you what we saw God do. Here's what we did. But here's the thing is that too many of us are eating donuts. Got it? It's just, this is what God is doing and what he's going to do, but we're, we're off over here. Our minds aren't on the mission. Our hearts don't beat with God's heartbeat. Well, this is what he's doing. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. There we go. Peoples. And notice, and then the end will come. Now, I'm not going to go down a trail in eschatology today. I don't have time for that this morning. But I do find it very interesting, the certainty that it will happen. And when it does, the end will come. And it just reminds me, God is at work. He is going to do it. So I want to be part of it. I want us to, to, to be in this story. And many of you are. And I want more of that for all of us. Here's a church. God has a global plan for all the peoples of the earth to hear about Jesus. It concerns all peoples. I do believe the gospel is going to go to every ethno-linguistic group there is. I see it in Scripture. And we see, praise God, we see the ongoing advance of the gospel in our world today. It's amazing what God is doing. But there's much, much more work to be done. Much more work to be done. We look around us and we, we realize, you know, I don't have to look very far and I realize, you know, there's people that God has put in my life who need Jesus. And isn't it possible, loved ones, that in God's providence, the reason he's put them in your life is because he plans to use you to share with them the best news one could ever hear? Isn't it possible that that's why you live in the house where you live? Is it possible that that's why you got the job that you got? Why you can skate? Isn't it possible that's why you can cook? That these are avenues and open doors that God has given to you and to me to be witnesses, to make disciples of the people that God has put in our lives. Are you praying for opportunities? Who's, who's, on, who's on your prayer list right now? Who are you praying for right now in your life that they would come to know Jesus? God has put people, we don't have to look far, Jerusalem's just sometimes our Jerusalem's right in our own house. And yeah, we've we got to be led by the Spirit, not by guilt. Not trying to ram things through. We've got to trust, trust the Lord. But the call here this morning is to see what I'm called to. It's not optional. It concerns all people. Sometimes that starts right here. We look beyond our, our own neighborhood and families and we look across our country. And did you know that, did you know that there's, there's great need right here in Canada? I mean, think about this. The largest unreached mission field in North America is where? Quebec. Somebody just said Quebec. Yes. Quebec. 0.8%. Not 8%. 0.8% of the population of Quebec would be Christ followers like we understand what it means to be a Christ follower. 0.8% nationally right now, it's around 6%, which is far too low. But think about it, 0.8%, massive need, massive need right here in our own country. And then, of course, think about the, the great need and the, the difficult ministry amongst First Nations people. And I mean, there, of course, there's history there, sad history, heartbreaking things. There's realities that we have to contend with and acknowledge. But the needs are massive right here in our own country, Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria. Well, how about the ends of the earth? You know, ever since I was about six or seven years old, I've been hearing about this thing called the 1040 window. 
It's over the other side of the world. It's this, it's this massive portion of the globe, 10 degrees, 40 degrees, a 1040 window, where what we would call those people least reached people. In other words, it's, it's a massive part of the world where most people have never met a Christian. There, there's, there's not enough believers for there to be established any kind of church planting work or, or ministry. It's, it is least reached people. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that gets me this morning. I've been hearing about, I'm 44 years old. I've been hearing about the 1040 window for like 40 years. And it's still there. And the needs are still massive. Praise God, he's moving and working. But in terms of the missionaries we do send, and we don't send enough of those, the missionaries we do send, the fewest are going there. It's, it's massive need. And, and I think about these things. I hear Jesus say to all nations, and I just think, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I feel like I'm still eating donuts. It's crucial to get this quote from Spurgeon. I love Spurgeon. He's one of my favorite dead Christians. Just hear, listen to a man. Listen to what it sounds like hearing someone who loves the lost, and whose heart is broken for what breaks God's heart. Listen to what he says. He says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, then let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees. And let them not go unwarned and unprayed for. So, look, I read this and I, honestly, I just like, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I'm way too okay with people. In my circle of influence, in my community, in my country, in this globe, I'm way too okay with people going to a lost eternity. Break my heart, oh God. Yes, 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 let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. God, spare them that. Spare them that. That they would not leap over to hell. But if they will, let it be over our dead bodies, pouring ourselves out. Let God help us to wrap our arms around some knees with good news. And here's the thing, too. I think just myself, like, I, I know the way out of this. I, I have life. And I have it to share. So I, that's what this is doing to me. I don't know what it's doing to you. That's what this message today, this week, is doing to me. Go time is all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's not optional. We treat it too often like optional. Like, think about this. Like, if I'm not, in my life, if I am not, in some way, shape, or form, at work making disciples, there's a sense in which I'm not following Jesus. Because he calls me to it. Like, it's, it's big stuff, right? I am a Christ follower. Part of being a Christ follower is, yes, I'm going to apply to, to, to go time. That's massive. In fact, I would say, you want to you fire, uh, fire up go time? You need to have your God time. And then your gather time. This is where we encourage each other and get our eyes on Jesus. And that group time, that accountability. And then give time to give yourself. And then go time. We massively need this. It's not optional. It concerns all people's it's crucial. Go time is all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's, it's pretty clear, right? Like, it's not complicated. You don't need a big diagram. Like, Jesus is like, make disciples. The question, though, is how? Like, how, how, do, we, how do you make disciples? How, how, do you, how do you do that? What does this involve? Well, Jesus tells us two things. Verses 19 and 20. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Notice, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So what does making disciples involve? It involves two things. First, making disciples involves leading people to know Christ. Leading people to know Christ, like to know him personally, to be in a relationship with him. He talks about it here baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As we at Hope Niagara, as we understand baptism, it is a first step of obedience to Christ when you believe on him. We see this pattern of the gospel is proclaimed, it's preached, the good news about Jesus is heralded, it's shared, it's proclaimed. Praise God, people respond in faith, believing, receiving Jesus as Savior. 
And then they go public with that, that faith that they have in Jesus and being baptized. And we see that symbolism of, of the, I'm buried with Christ and I'm raised to walk in newness of life. What I see here, Jesus talking about baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I see believing, being baptized, and in so doing, identifying oneself with the Lord, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in sum, what we've got here is Jesus showing us that to make disciples, we need to lead people into a relationship with him. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Identifying with Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Belonging to God, now indwelt by the Spirit. Leading people to know Christ. In fact, this morning, maybe, maybe I would have the privilege of leading you to know Jesus. Right where you are this morning. You can today, right now, come to know Jesus. When you look to him in faith, you say, what does that mean? Trusting him that he died for your sin, acknowledging that you got a sin problem that only he can solve, that he died to pay for your sins, and he's alive and he's able to save you. And if you turn and trust in him, then in this moment right now, you can know him. You say, how can I be sure? Just like my friend did that, that night when I had a donut in my mouth. She prayed and she said, Lord, save me. I want to follow you. Jesus, I need you. I don't even know what all she said. She prayed pretty quietly, but pretty sincerely. But a prayer like that, you can do that right here, right now. This is what making disciples is. It's leading people to know Jesus, to know Christ. But it doesn't stop there, does it? See, making disciples also involves teaching people to follow Christ. Both are important. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, verse 19, then verse 20, teaching them to observe or to obey all that I, Jesus, all that I have commanded you. So our mission is not only to evangelize, but to disciple. It's not only to lead people to know Jesus in terms of knowing him, trusting in him, but also to follow Jesus in their life. Which, by the way, is why here at Hope Niagara, we, put a, we, we really believe in and want to put a real emphasis on church planting. Because churches is that, that primary place where people are discipled. It's the venue that God has chosen, that the Lord uses to disciple us, to grow us in our faith in Jesus. Church planning is so important. So we believe it, we're committed to it, we're praying about doing it. And we want to support it where it's happening. That's why we love being, one of the many reasons we love being part of the Great Commission Collective. Because we agree together, not only having strong churches, but churches that plant churches because it's important that people are discipled. Making disciples involves leading people to know Christ and teaching people to follow him. So that's the work, that's the mission. But you know, you get thinking about it and it can be pretty overwhelming. You know what I mean by that, right? Because you're like, okay, so I see what the mission is to make disciples of Jesus, leading people to know him, teaching people to follow him. But one of the big challenges we encounter is that to bring a person from being far from God to knowing God and then to grow up in Jesus is something that's not in our power to do. If it was, there'd be, you'd have, you have a whole circle of people, all kinds of people. You'd do it for them if you could, but you, you, can't, you can't make them believe. You can't make them repent. You can't, you can't make them grow. We need the Lord to do it. It's one of the interesting paradoxes of following Jesus. He calls us to engage in a ministry that we ourselves cannot do. <laughs> make disciples. Okay, and then when I've done that, I'm going to scale the side of the CN Tower. Okay, okay. So how is it that Jesus can call us to do this and keep a straight face? Well, look at what he says in verse 20. After talking about baptizing and teaching, notice the last sentence, and behold, I am with you always. Who's with me? Jesus is with me. Oh, see, he's the difference maker. He calls you and I to be obedient, to be faithful. As we're obedient, as we're faithful, he comes in power. The powerful working of the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who's given to us, who indwells us, he mediates the presence of Jesus in our lives. So you say, how is, how is the resurrected Jesus with me? By the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's there in your life. He's with us now. And this is how we can have, well, this is how we can do the mission. 
we do go time with the assurance that Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. He's with us. I mean, what a comfort is that? He's with us in, in comfort. You know when it's hard when we're rejected? And sometimes that happens. There's lots of you that know that feeling. You know, you, it, it's, you, you're really just trusting the Lord and you had an opportunity and you, you shared something about Jesus and you got rejected. I talked to a woman after first service today, just a heartbreak over some rejection she's encountered in her life of sharing Jesus. But God bless her for being faithful. And Jesus, by the way, he knows what it's like to be rejected, right? So he understands and he comes along with comfort for us and understanding when we're discouraged and ridiculed. He, he knows what that is, what comfort he has, but also what courage he gives us. I mean, think about it. we got the resurrected Jesus with us. Think about that. Where's my Leaf fans in the room? Where are we here? Hands up nice and high. You're safe here. You're my people. I love you people. I love the whole trip. You're special to me. we got to stick together, right, us Leaf fans? And uh, so if you're not a Leaf fan, you don't like hockey, you can just sort of dwell on what we've been saying here. I just want to talk Leaf fans for a second. Have you noticed, I know it's only two games in, and no, I'm not planning the parade right, right but, yet, but have you noticed that they seem to be playing like, I really, like, aggressive, stand-up kind of hockey right now. Like, they seem to be just skating a little bit taller than they were last year. Now, here's my theory. Here's my th- Again, sorry if you're not a Leaf fan, don't like hockey. Just keep thinking about, about Matthew 28. But Leaf fans, here's my theory. I think there's one key pickup they made in the offseason who's made a huge difference. He's a great, big, massive guy who ain't afraid of anybody. His name is Ryan Reeves. And when they introduced him on opening night, I was watching opening night, he comes out in the ice. You know the players skate out you know, for their introduction? You know how he came out in the ice? Some of you know, he came out in the ice like this, doing this. And he's a big guy. He goes, he hits people, and he's just like, so, so you know, if, if, you're, if I'm on the Leafs, and I'm, I think they are missing out, by the way. I could really help them, but anyway. I, there's only, I got to work on go time. I don't have time for, for the Leafs. But, but if I was on the team, you know, I would be skating a little taller too because if you want to mess with me, okay, you go ahead, but then you're going to have to mess with him. And so everybody kind of backs off and I think that's why they're playing well. Now, who knows? They'll go on a losing streak now and my theory will be down the, down the drain. Okay, if you're not a Leaf fan, come on back from me. Listen to me. For, I'm going to tell you why I'm giving this bad illustration. It's this. We have somebody far bigger and far greater than a large hockey player. We have the risen Jesus. And what courage we can have. What are they going to do to you? What's the devil going to do to you? Kill you? (laughs) Jesus is just going to bring you back. So I think we can have some courage. I am with you always, he says. Think about the courage we can have. Think about the peace we can have. He's with me. Think about the power we have. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He empowers us for the ministry. And he uses us and works through us and does things around us that blow the mind. I was reflecting this week on a a woman that Leanne and I met many years ago. And actually, I was trying to remember if I told you the story. I, I don't think I have. So if you've heard me tell the story, forgive me. But I was thinking about her this week. A number of years ago, I was invited to speak at a retreat for a church. And uh, this church, most of the members are from a particular country where it is illegal to convert to Christ. But many, many people in that country are converting to Christ. And there's, there's this church is, here in Canada. Is, it's mostly made up of people from that country. And um, I was invited, a friend of mine organized a conference for them, and uh, he invited me, not because he wanted me to come speak at it, although I did. The real reason he wanted me to come is because he wanted me to meet some of these people and hear some of their testimonies. And so how do you get Ross to show up at something on a weekend? Invite him to speak, he'll be there. So I was there. And going around, and Leanne and I spent lots of time going around and hearing story after story after story of God doing astonishing things in people's lives to bring them to Jesus. Having... having wild encounters and dreams about Jesus that pointed him, that pointed them to him. One woman we met, we'll never forget her story. She told, asked, you know, how did you become a believer? She's like, well, what happened to me is she says, um, she says, I was going, I didn't know anything about Jesus. Didn't know anything about Christianity, really never heard of anything of it ever. But she said, uh, my husband had a medical issue and they were people of means and they came to the United States for him to get this specialized treatment, whatever it was that he needed. 
And while he was in the hospital, I don't recall if it was in the hospital or in the hotel, but she was going to an elevator and she waited for the elevator. The door opened. She walks into the elevator. and You've had this experience, all of you, many times. You walk into the elevator, you turn around, you hit the button for the floor, you stand back and let it all happen, right? So she does that. She hits the button and then she, re she had the sense that there was somebody else in the elevator, although she didn't see that person when she first walked in. So she sensed there was somebody else there. She turned around. There was a person in the elevator. It was a man. And the man said to her, I am the good shepherd. She says, I freaked out internally. She's like, I got off the elevator immediately. And then the elevator closes, and she's thinking to herself, what just happened? Who is this person? And she'd never heard this statement before. Right? What does that even, the good shepherd, what does that even mean? So she wrestled with it, and she'd made the decision, I'm not telling anybody. If I tell my family, they'll think I'm crazy. So she just kept this secret to herself for years. Many years later, she came back, she moved back here to North America. And um, as lots of new Canadians will do, they found a church, and that church, had, because that church had an ESL, an English as Second Language program, to help new people in the country to learn English. Hope Niagara, I think that's a great idea for a church to do. None of you agree? Anyway, she comes to this ESL class. Now get this, here's what happens. She builds a rapport with the pastor of that church. The pastor was her tutor. And they're, they're doing these English studies together, these lessons. And she built a rapport and built a trust and came to a point where one day she said to him, I have a question to ask you. One time I heard a phrase in English, but I don't know what it is or what it means. He said, well, what's the phrase? She said, I am the good shepherd. What is that? Who, where's that from? Oh, he says, oh, well, that's Jesus. And he opens up his Bible to John chapter 10, turns the Bible around. See, it's here in the Bible. It says, it's Jesus who says that I am the good shepherd. And she said, that began my journey toward knowing Jesus. Now, I love this story for a couple of reasons. One, God does crazy things. Crazy things all the time. All the time. I know what most of you are thinking right now. Was that Jesus in the elevator? All I know is that God does crazy things. All that. Some of you are thinking, I don't believe that story. That's fine. You cannot believe that story. But you ask her, how did you become a Christian? And she'll tell you, well, I got in this elevator one time and then and tell you the whole story. This is what happened to her. God does crazy things. And here's the thing. If you will commit to more go time in your life, I will predict that you'll see more crazy things than you could ever imagine. God doing Jesus says, I am with you always in power. You just don't know what he's going to do. I also love this story because of the unwitting, faithful pastor who is not eating a donut. He was ready. Here's a guy who's probably doing God time, gather time, group time, obviously doing give time, and he's ready for go time. And there he is, and in a moment... Surely not expecting to ever hear a question like this and having zero idea why she's asking. He says, oh, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's Jesus. Here, it's here in the Bible. It's Jesus who says that. He says he's a shepherd. Now, of course, as a shepherd, he talks about being a good shepherd because he loves it. In fact, he gave his life for the sheep. Shares with the gospel. Has no idea how the Lord has worked in her life. And here's the thing. When you and I are obedient and step out in faith, you and I, sometimes we have no idea what God is doing either, but he's doing and I just don't want to walk around eating a donut. I'd rather do go time. Our mission is to make disciples. Making disciples involves leading people to know Christ and teaching people to follow Christ. It's our mission, and it's part of being a 5G disciple. So let me review with you. Let's, let's put our attention up here. We'll get this next. Here's where we've been. This is our practical, this is the 5G life. This is, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. As Hope Niagara, what does it mean? What does it look like to follow Jesus? We're 5G disciples. That's what we mean. This is our language. This is what we're talking about. And uh, so what am I committing to? I need to abide in him. So I want God time daily. Here's our target, 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. And, and again, it's not a legalistic thing. You can make this legalistic, but don't make it legalistic. No, it's just, I don't do it because I feel guilty about it. I'm determined because I love the Lord. And I, I want to know him. So I want to commit to be having God time every day to cultivate that relationship. That 20 minutes is 1% of your day. Gather time weekly, 1% of your week. You're doing it right now. You can check that off. You did it. Praise God. Look at how Jesus is working. It's awesome. 
Group time faithfully, seven hours, seven hours a month. That's 1% of your month in, in group time. And I encourage you, if you're not yet in a group, to, to take some steps toward that. Let us know at the welcome desk. I want to be in a group. In some of your groups, you maybe meet a little less than seven hours a month. Great. You got a little extra time to reach out and encourage your group members. You're like, hey, I got a, our group meets longer than seven hours a month. Awesome. You get the star. You get the, yeah, you go. That's awesome. Group time. We love it. Give time regularly, six hours a month. Investing, just being intentional about giving of self. Maybe it could be, could be serving a place like Rose City Kids or engaged in a ministry here in the church, but actively, regularly. Again, it's less than 1% of your month. Go time annually, seven days of the year, 2% of your year committed to go time. Now, what do we mean by this? Go time annually. What do we mean by this? Well, let's be real clear. Go time is every day, every single day. The attitude of our mind, the intent of our heart, is we're on mission. And we are looking and praying for opportunities to share Jesus with others. Go time is every day. But why annual? What are we doing here? What we're saying is this. As we live this 5G life, what we want to do is we want to encourage one another and challenge each other to be really intentional, even strategic, in committing specific times where you personally invest in seeing the gospel spread, maybe locally or globally, with others as well. Not just on your own, but with others. So think of Jesus in Luke 10 when he sent out the 72. Now, now surely he didn't intend that that would be their only kind of go time. And surely he intended that they'd be sharing the good news about Jesus in their lives and in the workplace and as the Lord led them. But he sent them out together for a purpose, for a season on a mission. Or how about Paul the Apostle? I envision that he was probably a pretty great evangelist in his day-to-day life. But also we read about him taking missionary journeys where intentional, strategic periods of time invested for a purpose of seeing the gospel go forward and seeing Jesus made known. That, that's what we're talking about, about being intentional together. So I can envision, maybe, you know, mom, dad, parents, here's what we envision. You know, you sit, you have to sit down with your kids and say, okay, listen, what are we as a family going to do for go time? What are we going to do? Hey, the new year's coming, right? What are we going to do this year as for go time as a family? You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't have a family like that. Well, what about with some friends? Maybe some people in your small group together, or maybe if you've got a believing roommate, uh, what, what am I going to do for go time to set aside intentional time to be engaged in gospel and in the spread, the advance of the gospel. And that can look like all kinds of things from maybe helping out a VBS. God willing, we have a youth summer camp next year that Nathaniel's working on. Maybe there's going to be engaging in some local ministries. We're praying about our ambition, our desires to have two mission trips in 2024. You can pray with us on that. We believe that the Lord will do it all kinds of different things, but I'm planning out what's, maybe I'm going to use a vacation time, school break, whatever it is, go time, seeing the gospel spread seven days next year. God calls us to it. Lord, help us. Now, as we look at this, I'm almost done, but I just want to show you this. If we were to look at all these five G's and we take a poll this morning, and I were to ask you, which of these G's do you feel you most need to grow in? I'm curious what the results would be. I'm not, not going to do that right now, but here's my, my sense, maybe. I could be wrong now after this sermon, but here's my sense. I think that probably, it might be by a narrow margin, but probably the most hands would go up for God time. Just been talking to people, just been around, listening to people talk, in a real sense of investing in that God time daily. I think probably in our church, personally, we feel a real need to grow in God time. I would say, though, as your pastor, while maybe personally we would feel the need to grow in God time, that may well be the case, collectively as a church, I think that our collective biggest growth area here in these five Gs is go time. I think, could be wrong, but I don't think I am. It's go time to be invested in mind and heart, time, resource in the advance of the gospel. That's why it's so important that we make this an emphasis. And this is something that is heavy on the hearts of the elders in these days, the elders and the staff. The elders have agreed together 
that in this next season, we want to very intentionally encourage and equip our people to share their faith with others. Seeking for specific ways that we can do go time together, create some opportunities together with the staff, and praying for holy creativity among us in that way. And like I said a moment ago, our, our ambition is we'd love to do two mission trips next year. And the reason for that, why, why this? Because, because one of the things that happens, I think it's important for you to see, here's how I see it. It's just me. I think that when you do something like this, you say, you know what, one week this year, I'm going to invest in some specific gospel outreach. God uses commitments like that and times like that to further equip us and further embolden us to be doing go time more. So it's good for us as a church to set for ourselves goals and objectives. So help us. That's where we're at. So collectively, that's where we're at. Finally, to close, you personally, I got three encouragements for you. One is when you walk out of here to stop by some of the tables in the lobby there. We've got Paul Somsel is our, our global coordinator. And uh, Paul, could you just stand in the room so everybody see who you are there? Paul Somsel, his wife Shelly. Is Shelly here? She's out in the lobby. I think she's ready, ready to serve out there. And uh, Paul, is a, he's a huge help. He's got a very important role here in our church. He helps us to not only stay connected with our global partners, but helps us keep our eye on that global mission. And uh, I'd encourage you to stop by and talk to him. Also, we've got the church in the barn. Find out about that. Of course, the Rose City Kids bags are out there. We've got some work to do on that. But stop by and learn about some of the, what are some of the go time things that are happening. So here's, here's, here's what happens sometimes. You get this, and I know what happens because I'm like, you go out there, and uh, you feel like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And uh, I feel awkward about it. And besides that, I'm getting pretty hungry because it's after 12. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to smile. And I'm going to make it like I've got somewhere real important to be and just head on past, okay? So what I'd say is don't be like me. Just take a moment and stop by and say, just, just tell, tell me something about, what's this church in the barn? What's this about? What, what's, what are the opportunities there? And find a, encourage those people. Stop by one of those tables. Also, I challenge you to have the go time conversation with your spouse, your friends, with the Lord. Finally, who is someone in your life who needs Jesus? I would challenge you to put their name on your Holy Spirit hit list and pray for them every day this week. You might be surprised at what God will do and even what he will do in you as you daily bring that person before the Lord. The bottom line, Hope Niagara, it's go time. Put down the donut. <laughs>